Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's Hawkeye. Now I get the whole plunger arrow thing! Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Hawkeye, Episode 3, titled Echoes. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, well, go watch it, and then come right back to join us faster than a speeding arrow. Now, before we shoot some bros with uh, a Play-Doh arrow... Let me introduce you to all the wonderful little dragons joining us today. First up, he's a straight shooter whose aim with a camera is right on target. He's Justin Lawrence. It's funny you call it a Play-Doh arrow because that's exactly what I thought of it as too. Right? Uh, Next up, he takes no bull's eyes from nobody and he's always ready to let loose. He's the king of Christmas, Kevin the Hawkman Hudson. Yo, I am fueled up on Tim Biebs and ready to rock. Uh, and we have a special guest joining us this week who's uh, kind of like the uncle that took us to karate class. He's the mighty yet magical minister of marvelous Marvel mystery, Mr. Mitch George. Howdy, howdy. Thanks for having me back, guys. It's going to be fun. Thanks for joining us, Mitch. Uh, you know, I know you've been on uh, a few of our episodes of content before, uh, but for those who are not yet familiar with you, our magical guest host, um, would you mind letting the geeks know who you are and your familiarity with Hawkeye and Kate Bishop? So for those not in the know, I am uh, Mitch. I go by Mr. Mitch George on all the socials, or you can find most links at MitchGeorge.com. I am a, you know, variety streamer over on Twitch. I host a gaming podcast called Press YYZ every week, as well as I am a co-host on Disney Plus Us, a Disney Plus podcast where my co-host and I get into all the fun things, Marvel, Disney, um, National Geographic, doesn't matter if it's on the service, if it's on Star, which we're actually going to branch into very soon, uh, you can hear it all right there. Very cool. It's a good way to keep up with what's on the service for sure and to, to kind of get the uh, the latest and greatest thoughts on those things. Mitch, uh, what is your familiarity with Hawkeye and Kate Bishop going into this series? Is it did you did you read any of the the like the comics from before or anything like that? I read a bunch. I don't think I finished the Mad Fraction run of Hawkeye, but I read a big like a chunk of it. I'm mm-hmm. not as familiar with the character of Kate Bishop as other people are from the comics. Uh, there's you know a, a bunch of that in the the Mad Fraction aha uh-huh run of that of that character, but I uh, I am familiar enough with Hawkeye at least the MCU incarnation of Hawkeye as well as. Some of the comic stuff, I mentioned games earlier, both those characters showed up in Square Enix's Marvel's Avengers, which uh, Nate and I will have words about off off, <laughs> off show, I'm sure, but For sure. Uh, I'm relatively fresh to these characters, which is one of my favorite things about Marvel right now, to be honest, with uh, Shang-Chi, with Yelena mm-hmm. in Black Widow, with some of the characters right. in the Eternals, with future content they're planning. I'm not super familiar with a lot of it. I'll probably do some research. I'll do some some reading up prior to some of the stuff coming out, but they're really getting into the nitty gritty of the uh, extended Marvel universe. And I'm excited to see some of these characters that we're not so familiar with taking center stage. And especially a character uh, that we got to see quite a bit in this episode. I think a lot of people aren't familiar with, so it was really nice to get into that. We'll we'll get into that. Um, I do want to just say it's crazy to think that this series only started 
a week ago, and yet we're already at the midway point of, I guess, what's a miniseries. So, you know, you kind of have to expect that. They had to line it up with Book of Boba Fett, right? Because that starts the week after this finishes, right? Oh, right. And, you know, we will definitely be doing, I think we can all agree, on a Book of Boba Fett watch club coming soon. So, <laughs> good plug there. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> let's let's dive in. You know, let's aim high. Let's shoot right into this episode. Uh, the episode kicks off in 2007 where we see a young Maya Lopez. Uh, she learns to jump between two worlds. Uh, as her dad puts it. We're consistently seeing her overcome the challenges uh, a young deaf person faces as she navigates her non-deaf school, learning to watch instead of listen. Uh, And she finds out that it makes her stronger, um, just like her father told her, uh, you know, after a conversation about dragons. We see her in her karate class where her dad tells her that her uncle's going to be picking her up from class that day. And a man in a suit brushes her cheek, uh, which we'll, don't worry, we're going <laughs> to we're going to talk about that. But um, then we see her uh, perfectly mimic and take down a kid twice her size. And then again, we see her using that skill as a young adult. Uh, and then we cut to her arriving at a warehouse where we see the Ronin slaughtering the tracksuit mafia uh, upper upper echelon and then. You know, it's at that moment we see the death of her dad. She holds him tight and uh, he signs to her, fly away from here, little dragon. So, guys, I want to get to that big uncle moment. But before we do, uh, let's break down this opener. Let's talk about what we thought of Maya Lopez and and her dad, William. Uh, What did you guys think of this really awesome opener? Uh, Personally, I think this might actually be the best opening of the series so far. And I thought after that first episode, that was going to be impossible to do. But there's... There's mm-hmm. so much heart and soul going on in this scene, and you just you learn so much about this character in such a short amount of time. Uh, and I don't know about anybody else, but I was getting such Sound of Metal vibes from things going on, in that we were sure. literally put into her, like from her perspective, and we weren't getting all the information. We, we were sort of forced to piece what was being said and what was being told to us for ourselves. We had to piece that together, and I just thought it was handled so well and done so well. It's just... It's so amazing how well they're handling what's obviously a difficult character to bring to the screen. Yeah, and I, I want to shout out just really quickly Darnell uh, Bissau, who plays young Maya Lopez. I thought her performance was really good, especially, again, we in the first episode, I thought the actress that did young Kate was not the the greatest when she was kind of going through in terms of her performance, but um, I thought Darnell did such a really good job. And, and again, uh, Alakwa Cox just has me so stoked for the Echo series. That girl can act and she can kick ass. And I'm just, it, it just, it really emphasized the need for that to be an entire series. And I, I kind of feel like with regards to representation with this character, I think the idea of, of casting an actor who's both deaf and has a prosthetic leg, which is a departure from Echo in the comics who does not have a prosthetic. It just does a lot to make that normal. Like it's just a part of the character. It's a part of, showing these things in media and it's it's wonderful to see yeah and i think you know the fact that they didn't really focus on that right off the bat it was literally about her being deaf and then you know it cuts to that scene in the in the karate class and you see the leg and then you're like oh she's also has a prosthetic right um but it you know kevin you said like it it's so tough to bring bring a character like this into the forefront but i think it's it's interesting that in this scene, it tells so much about the character and how how she learned, like just this beautiful subtlety of of watching rather listening, 
right and and paying attention through through your eyes and and that's like that's what she's done really really well she's she's very observant and i think that's her superpower grounding it around characters like clint barton and kate bishop who also have these uh, talents that allow them to be hypersensitive in superheroes and it's also really interesting as kevin was pointing out you know when we think about the intro to kate that we got in episode one in comparison to this we see this uh similarity of trauma like their origin story is grounded in trauma and i think what we'll come to see is that they're probably far more similar than they are different they're on different paths i just love this sort of play that they're establishing in this juxtaposition between uh kate and maya it's just it's so well done yeah i mean it's it's cool how well it's done there right like you've got kate bishop who loses her father as she's inspired by the hero hawkeye and then right maya lopez also loses her father, but you know, at the moment where she's filled with anger, the hands of of the villain Ronin. So it's it's just really poetic in a way, right? The way their stories compare and contrast. But it's all got Clint at the center. Like it's just so well done. You see how she she deals with everyone in her life, sort of treating her, you know, obviously not her dad, but like everyone else is sort of treating her as if she's someone that they have to like sort of go easy on, right? Like you see the kid in the karate class and he sort of looks at her and goes like, really, I'm, I'm fighting her? And then she just whoops his ass. And then same thing with the MMA, right? Where he looks down at her leg and then is kind of like gives her a face and then she just simply just destroys him. Um, so I thought that was so well done. And I also wanted to just shout out, I loved seeing, uh, I think his name's pronounced Zahn uh, McLaren, uh as William Lopez, who's her, her dad. Uh, he's been in shows like Fargo, Westworld, and he does such an excellent job of sort of playing the sort of secretive, soft-spoken character. So I thought his performance really hit home for me. And I, I, I think it really, you know, his entire character speaks to the idea of the fact that these aren't nameless goons that the Ronin is killing. These people have families, right? They have they have lives outside of what, what we see. And so it just sort of, I, I love when Star Wars sort of plays off the idea of like, we get to see the Empire side of things. This is kind of what we're getting with Marvel. And I, I really hope we get more of it. And there's definitely a life, you know, I think our, our next question, the big thing that we wanted to probably all just chime in on, all chew on, uh, you know, we get that moment where we see a, a suited hand come down after hearing like a boom, boom sort of steps coming through and they might just be really heavy boots. Um, but guys, uh, you know, I need to know here, who do we think Uncle is? I think it's pretty obvious. Uncle Vinny. We were talking about it. <laughs> there's, no, like, there's no there's no doubt in any of our minds that this has to be Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. reprising his role as Wil- Wilson Fisk, aka the Kingpin from the Daredevil series. Yeah, and I've 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 been reading some rumors online. Everyone's on suspicion. He's been avoiding it and so on. And someone had said that they had heard that they're going to go for a different look and like they were going to beef him up significantly with prosthetics and stuff like that like a very very traditional look it'll be interesting to see if that's the route that they go but i don't know if they really need to to kind of differentiate from from his character in uh daredevil Daredevil. and maybe you know if it's a purpose of showing age or you know he's older in in the current storyline i mean i'd be totally down if they alter his look just in a way that you know, he's got those big, broad shoulders that he has in the comics and the, and the cartoons that we're familiar with. You know, you sort of beef him out that way. Because, I mean, D'Onofrio as Kingpin was intimidating because of his actions uh, in the Daredevil yeah. series. Whereas, I think for Marvel, the MCU is a bit more, not, I don't want to call it cartoony, but you know what I mean. And so I just think that giving yeah. him that, that really 
uh, imposing physical stature would Aesthetic, only add yeah. to the character yeah, yeah. In, in this universe. As long as they don't go as far as they did in uh, Into the Spider Verse, I think we'll all be pretty okay with getting this presence <laughs> was like back an egg. in the MCU. <laughs> it was a lot, yeah. uh, but I do think that ultimately, I think there's going to be a lot of teasing to this character. I don't yeah, think right. we see Kingpin until the post credit scene at the end of Episode Six, and it teases going into Echo rather than any other project. That's that's mm. what they're setting up here: is the Echo miniseries with Kingpin. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a good idea. Yeah, for sure, and I, I just love uh, how when Ronan's attacking the um, the, the tracksuit mafia in that f- uh, flashback, the he's at the uh, Fat Man Auto Repair. You know, just another subtle little. Oh, wow! Hint, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't even know if we'll see him. Like, I think we'll get the name drop. Just get a name drop. They could a hundred percent just be dropping these hints to potentially lead it into what you're talking about. But maybe we don't even see him this season. I think that might be pretty interesting. I don't. I'm as confident that we'll see him as I am that it is Vincent D'Onofrio. Just at like, you know, Marvel is really good at teasing us with things, but they're also anything but subtle when it comes down to it. I think they they live for that moment. I, I love the shout out there, Mitch. That it's the post credit scene of the final episode, and we finally see him. That is that is their bread and butter. That is how they've been doing this for so long. They're 100 percent going to just pan up, and it's going to be him for sure. Oh. oh. I, I cannot wait. I, I'm kind of with Justin, though. I think maybe we see the silhouette. We see him from behind, and maybe we get a line. But we don't see D'Onofrio, like, really become this character. But it guarantees that MCU it is D'Onofrio. Like, we hear his voice kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, we yeah. do hear, we'll like, get, a we'll chuckle. Yeah. 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 I don't, it, uh, yeah. Probably was just some that's <laughs> that's, that's easy to um, fake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we get back to seeing our heroes tied up uh, just as we left them before. Uh, and just before we keep going, I, I just want to call out the moment with the one tracksuit mafia guy. Uh, I think his name's Thomas, who buys uh, Imagine Dragons tickets for himself as a gift for his girlfriend. First of all, that was hilarious. I also think it's funny how it not only does it connect to Maya's conversation at the beginning of the episode, but also that Haley Steinfeld is in a show called Arcane on Netflix and Imagine Dragons sings the the theme song to theme that song show. For the show yeah. Justin, I know you hate <laughs> Imagine Dragons, so this had to be pretty gratifying to see Kate doesn't really enjoy them either. I love that I, uh, Imagine Dragons that. is the new Nickelback, you know? It's just like they have millions <laughs> oh, of fans, no! but nobody is willing to admit that they actually like them. Because all their stuff's the same. It's just all the stuff is the same, don't you know? You know what I mean? Like it's just it's the same beat, same sort of structure. Listen to the theme song. It's like as soon as you hear it, it's like, oh, oh yeah, it's Imagine Dragons, right? So I will openly admit here for all of your listeners that I'm a fan of Nickelback, at least up until the Long Road album. After that, they lost me. Hey, there you go. There you go. But definitely not Imagine Dragons. Um, So after that moment, we then see Maya interrogating them. And Clint suggests that it was Black Widow that killed the Ronin, which she calls convenient. She also calls him out and tells him he shouldn't rely on his hearing aid so much and that he'd be better off without it. Uh, Clint escapes and manages to get back his bow. But during the escape, Maya breaks his hearing aid. Uh, Both Clint and Kate uh, pull off what I would say are probably the coolest Hawkeye moments in the MCU so far. And we finally get that team-up action, Kevin, that I know you were saying you really wanted last week. So uh, let's talk about that, whether it be the action from the warehouse, the car chase, uh, or even on the bridge. And please, 
leave no trick arrows unmentioned. <laughs> well, yeah, this this was pure magic. This was a fun episode. This is the this was the heart of the episode. Was this whole action sequence? It was very well handled and easy to follow. It wasn't too big for itself. It stayed grounded. It stayed focused and really leveraged visual aesthetic of the one take feel. Right from when they get into the car as she's going down. Like I love the shot when she grabs the arrow and goes out the window, and it literally the camera is moving with her, falling and it through just, the it window. Continues that so one take, cool. and then that's where it cuts. It, it was just it was so well handled. I loved it. And in that warehouse, I mean, as I mentioned, it's got to be some of the coolest Hawkeye we've seen. I love how it manages mm. to really make him look like a superhero. Uh, we see his skills put to the forefront. And I have to say, that has to be the most violent use of a ball pit outside of a McDonald's that I've ever seen. I was in waiting my for life. him to jump up and yell Bazinga. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a great callback. I mean, the MCU's already been referencing a ton of our pop culture stuff. So yeah, if they had a, if they had a, if you know, if Clint was a, a Big Bang Theory fan, that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't. Uh, it, but also, it wouldn't be the uh, weirdest uh, tie-in we've gotten in like the last month in the MCU to other true. pop culture references. That's true. So I wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been shocking. Yeah, you got Doctor Strange talking about Scooby Doo and stuff like that. Um, I was thinking more Superman, but that works too. Oh. Hey, there yeah. you go. There you go. Um, I also wanted to shout out Echo's fighting style. It's very Taskmaster. I predicted last week that she might have been a Black Widow or been connected to Black Widow. I, obviously, she's not a Black Widow, but I think there is, there's got to be some connection to Taskmaster. I honestly believe that like her superpower is is seeing rather than listening. Like That's so established in that story that, that they, they really do lean into that. It would be interesting, though, if they could connect it back to Taskmaster and draw some sort of comparison there. But I, nonetheless, I think they've they've established that her her power is very similar to that of Kate and Clint, and and it's it's just a it's a heightened ability, if you will. Right, and I certainly think this is finally the action that we've been waiting for in this series. I mean, yes. for anybody who's been a yeah. little a little down on it, a little skeptical, myself, you know, guilty party number one, you know. Um, but uh, I think we finally got it here, and it's and this scene, this extended scene, is one of my favorite action sequences in a long time in the MCU and reminded me of the best parts of Shang-Chi, those earlier really just yeah. hand-to-hand yeah, yeah, action stuff. sequences yeah. and yeah. just the camera moving and everything, the way they handled yeah. it, it was so well done. It, it actually felt a lot like the uh, bridge scene in Winter Soldier for me, actually, which is one of my favorite MCU mm. films, period, of just very reminiscent of like similar like action shots with cameras and following the action through whatever's going around in the scenery. I thought it was really well done. I didn't expect to get this chase scene so early in the series because this is what they've been promoting the whole time mm-hmm. leading up to this. What's still, well, this was, like, yeah, what do they still yeah. have? Yeah, like what, what do these back three episodes look like that we haven't seen? Yeah, I'm still convinced we haven't seen more than the first 15 minutes of Spider-Man No Way Home, except for that one shot in the most recent trailer. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, I also just wanted to mention, though, uh, favorite arrows. And I think I know what mine is. It might be all of ours. But before we continue, just anyone who wants to shout out your favorite arrow, go. It's well, got to be the pin. pin arrow was pretty yeah. dope. Yeah, that pin <laughs> right. arrow was dope. I like the, the comedy one. that came with using the USB arrow to do literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. that because that happens in the comics too of Kate Kate uses it and just plugs it into a USB slot. Doesn't actually use it yeah. as an arrow, but it's been used in the yeah. past, right? Like he's used it to interface with the uh with the quint with the um helicarrier and in uh in what if it's so integral to the plot of what if. But here's yeah. just like, yeah, it just bounced off the guy. Well and, and you mentioned, you know, the the comics and this scene is taken essentially right from the comics and they just 
they do such a cool job of mirroring everything in that it's Kate driving and Clint shooting in the comics and you know, um, and he's really stoked about the arrows and she's down on them and thinks they're silly in the comics. And so they flip that and, and continue the Kate that we've been getting to know in the show here where she's just so enamored by this hero of hers and thinks everything he does is cool and she's finally getting her hands on these trick arrows. And it's just, it brings such fun to a scene that's also exciting and action-packed. To, to tie it back to the comic even more so, the, the challenger we see is Clint's car in the comics. Like, no, we can't touch that. We can't damage yeah, that thing. And by the yeah. end of the chase, it's absolutely total. And it's it's, it's cool how, how they, they use these to sort of subvert expectations for comic book readers. But then at the same time, they also do include some of these more subtle moments. And, you know, the moment when, when Maya's dad dies, he puts his hand on her face and she gets a, a handprint of blood. And that's literally straight pulled from her character's origin story um so super super cool stuff uh i yeah that pim arrow was so freaking cool i just i i love that we're, we're we can do that um okay so then we see clint and kate head back to the apartment after what was sort of a conversation on the subway um we see kate help clint talk to his son nate uh in a really heartfelt moment uh and i have to say i, I loved hearing uh clint barton say my name like five times it was so i was like that's me i'm i'm his son um <laughs> but no it was it was really heartfelt and you really see his struggle sort of being away from his family um we get one more interaction between kazi and maya and he mentions how uncle uh, Uncle Fisk, uh, would not be happy with them, uh, and she reminds him who's in charge. And then we join back with Kate and Clint as they get uh, Clint's hearing aid fix and share a meal in which Kate, uh, sorry, in which Clint tells Kate uh, that this life, the life of a superhero, comes with a lot of sacrifices and some things you lose forever. So guys, you know, what do you think that he's pulling at here? What is he referring to in this moment? What would you say? I think it's everything. We've watched all of his journey through the MCU. We we know what he's been through. And for us as the viewer, that's the nod of understanding, yeah, we know where you've come from and we know what you've done and we understand mm -hmm. what what that that means. And she doesn't because she just wants to be, you know, the hero, right? She she's she's yeah. enjoying this, right? I love I love her pitch for the costume that she <laughs> the drew. Costume. Look, it's My an H. God. Yeah. And it was like and you know, in Avengers Age of Ultron, they actually did shots of Jeremy Renner in that costume, mm -hmm. in a style-like costume really? like that, with, with the face mm -hmm. gear in, in the streets of uh, Sokovia, right? And it never mm -hmm. got used, but I, I remember seeing like deleted scenes and, and B-roll of it, that, that, that it was shot. And maybe wow. that was it. They just saw it and they, they're like, it's ridiculous. It, this is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. We can't, we can't do this. So the fact that they even poked fun at it here just goes to show that they really did their own version of Hawkeye, right? Like they've, they've yeah. adapted the character significantly and made him make sense in the MCU. There's just things that don't translate as well. It's why we only yeah. got Thor with the, the helmet with the wings coming off the back in Ragnarok, and it wasn't his actual helmet, you know, because it just, if he came down in that first movie and was wearing that goofy-ass helmet, we would never have taken the character seriously. And so they, they have to make those stylistic choices. I, I feel like this might actually be alluding to where this series is going to end. Because we see how important family is to Clint through this whole thing. And everything yeah. is him trying to, you know, end this relationship between him and the Ronin, who, for all intents and purposes, is yeah. dead. 
and get home to his family. And it feels more like a mantle passing to Kate of, hey, yeah, that outfit would have been ridiculous for me because I wasn't super concerned about my identity. But if you're thinking about these things now, if you're the one who ends up with this mantle, maybe it's something she considers. Maybe we get a mask at some point. I don't know. Mm. Well, well, and, you know, even just that scene on the subway is another allusion to that in that he recognizes her skill and like what a moment for her that must have been to hear that from her hero, you know, that she is one of the best in the world. And so I think you're 100 percent right that this is about passing that torch. And that was almost his that's the, his first sign that she's the one she's the right one to sort of take over for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I also thought, though, like to what you were saying earlier, Justin, it, you know, the loss of Natasha, she hasn't seen that, but we have, yeah. that's something he's yeah, lost. Yeah, of course, the yeah. loss of his, his hearing. And I think it also just really, it, it actually makes the scene of him talking to his son hit even harder when yeah. he says, you'll lose these things forever. Like the ability to hear your own son's voice. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it, again, it's just, it starts to speak to the inner workings of these people's minds, these characters minds that is so cool as we start to continue through these live action series where we can really dive in into the psyche of these characters and understand what makes them tick. I, I love to just in this whole thing, every moment after Clint loses his hearing aid and it's damaged, I love the parallels between Maya, you know, embracing her disability and, and turning it into an advantage and, and what Justin was saying earlier of being more observant of people. Where as soon as Clint loses that that hearing aid, he is immediately, you know, he, he's he's set back. Like he's at a disadvantage versus everyone else through the rest of this episode until he gets that repaired just because he hasn't learned to live with that or embrace it the way that the character of echo has done. And I feel like part of this too, is him understanding or coming to the realization that this can't last forever. He's taken all this damage. It's, it's yeah. really taken a toll and he needs to, yeah. you know, put things before like figure out a way to, to take that step back while leaving the people who can keep the world safe there and empowered mm -hmm. and support them, but also know what's most important to him, which every episode, it just comes back to family. Yeah. I, I think there's a very good chance we could see Hawkeye's character though, Clint move into a, you know, mentor for Avengers, young Avengers yeah. rather. That's and cool. that we may, Ooh, I love we, that. may, we may, we might see something like that. If I'm not mistaken in the comics, he had the, he ran the West coast Avengers, which was he did, yeah. like the California base. Right. So, but like, you know, again, West coast Avengers don't necessarily exist in this MCU world and not, am I, I'm not suggesting they need to, but he could be, you could get a throw, Justin, you could get a throwaway line at the end of the series. Yeah. I'm thinking of moving the family out to California, the, the New York. I'm, I'm done with New York or something like that. Right. Like, let's yeah. go. Well, he, he doesn't, he doesn't live in New York, right? He lives, well, I can't remember where he lives. Middle, he middle America, wherever yeah, middle he lives, America. Montana. <laughs> I'm just going to go with Montana. Yeah. But, you know, you've touched on just the idea that, you know, how much more can Clint go through before it's too late? You know, it's it reminds me of that that athlete that just wants to leave it all in the field. But it's one more hit to the knee and you might never walk again. One more hit to the head and and who knows what the long term effects of that concussion can do. And and it's hard to step away from something that you love or something that's so important to you that really almost defines your life. But what are you willing to sacrifice in exchange for that? And so I think. Yeah, we're going to see him have to make a really tough decision by the end of the show, but he's going to do it for his family. 
well, then we get one more conversation between uh, Kate and Clint on the way to Kate's mom's penthouse. Uh, as we hear more of the boss above Maya, we hear more about that. And then Kate convinces Clint to sneak into the penthouse to use Bishop's security system to access information on Jack and the tracksuit mafia. After Kate is locked out of the system, we see Clint enter a hallway where we see the Ronin sword again put to his neck held by Jack as we hear him say, don't move. Uh, and then it just, boom, cuts to the end of the episode. So before we get to our rating for the episode, Mitch, you know, we all kind of discussed this on last week's episode, so I want to know your thoughts. After seeing this moment, is Jack a friend or a foe? Jack's a mentor. Oh. Because in the comics, this character is the one who trained Hawkeye. I think this next episode we get an establishment of that relationship, what that means to Clint in this moment, what it means to Clint and Kate's relationship. But ultimately, I feel like this character is a red herring. I don't think that by the end of this, he's not the big bad. He's an accomplice or he just stumbled upon the sword after the real threat had used it to uh, murder his uncle. I'm wondering if he's more of an admirer and he knows who the Ronin is, right? Like he's a fan because like, to your point, it might not be a, a really rich history. He could have been an accomplice to something that that Clint might have done in the past. And, oh, you're the Jack that she's been speaking of. But again, if he's a, a mentor, sort of mentoree sort of lifestyle, you think the name Jack would kind of ring some sort of bells and maybe he'd ask a couple more questions about but in, who the Jack But unless he used to go is. by Jacques and has changed it to Jack to sort of change his identity sure. in later stages. Sure. Yeah, like Sean sure. and I, if they can, If they can make it work, I would be totally <laughs> yeah. down for the storyline. But I'm I'm also like, I'm I'm wondering his fascination with the sword. Is he is he a fan because of all the blood that was spilt with the sword and, and he just admires the Ronin? Uh, maybe he benefited and profited from, from what the Ronin did like I don't know I just know that the next episode is all about Jack so I'm, I'm ready well for the purpose of father-in-law bonding as as the character of Jack puts it like I would love the idea that the same person that they both fan out over is the same person that they just don't know is the same person. Do you know what I mean? Like they're both, they both share that love of Clint essentially. Right. So how cool would it be for like Kate to find out like, Oh, I hate Jack, but also, yeah, he he, he is really cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it would be a a neat way to connect those characters. It'll be interesting to see where they go with the, with these relationships. Cause I do feel like the two threads of, you know, the murder of Jack's uncle and uh, dealing with the tracksuits, it's all going to come together at, at some point, and it's going to be interesting to see when those uh, those worlds collide. And ultimately, I think that the tracksuits and Maya are going to end up as an ally, going against whatever's going on in the seedy underbelly of whatever remains of the uh, New York crime families. Yeah, but we'll have to wait and see how much of a villain she becomes uh, as we continue through this series. Uh, that is it for the episode. I want to kind of get to our final thoughts, overall thoughts, and and final score, which for this episode, we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five giant pim arrows. Kevin, we'll start with you this week. Uh, yeah, I think this was easily the best episode of the show so far. Certainly my favorite. Um and honestly, if this is the best episode of the series, I don't think I'll be let I'll be that upset just because of how great this episode was. But I also think, yeah. you know, we mentioned earlier, it's so exciting that we kind of haven't seen anything else from this show. The next three episodes, there's nothing that we're going to sort of be sitting around waiting to see that we've seen in the trailers. And so the possibilities are endless, I think. There's still so much mystery and intrigue that we have to to solve and figure out over these last three episodes that I'm just this this did such a great job 
of getting me really, really excited to see where this show goes and how they wrap things up and, and how it sets up the next stage for these characters. And I mean, when are we going to see Elena? I mean, there's just, there's so much to, to go forward that I, I honestly don't see how this could be the best episode. But again, if it is, terrific job. One of the best episodes of the MCU television shows so far. Uh, so I'm going to give this a solid 4.8 out of 5 giant Pym arrows. Let's go, Mitch. I mean, I can echo a lot of what Kevin is saying. I think this is... Oh, he said, he said the character's name. I think this is a high point for what Disney and Marvel Studios are able to produce for Disney+. Plus. This is the reason why these shows exist. I do feel like this is an episode that will be made better when things are revealed further down in the series. And not knowing everything that we need to know as the viewer, I think... Holds it back a little bit for me, but I think by and large, the action was there. The The character development is what you want from these shows, and it delivered that in spades. So I'm going to give it a good old solid 4.5 giant Pym arrows out of 5, which is probably a 5 by the end of the series. I love it. I love yeah. it. Justin. Yeah, no, same sentiments. Uh, I, I feel like this episode gave me everything I wanted. It helped advance the story forward. Uh, it gave us some great action moments. Uh, it gave us an introduction that was v to a new character that was very compelling and and also rooted in, in a sense of trauma, which connects back to our main character of Kate and also ties to a certain degree to Clint. I think what they're doing here is is they are really creating a triptych with these characters. They're really trying to tell a story with an approach that unites them together. So I'm I'm hooked, man. I, I'm really excited to see where this is going to go. And very much like Mitch said, I think this episode is going to be a five out of five. But for now, I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of five large Pym arrows. No, giant Pym arrows. <laughs> there you go. Um, I agree with, with all of you. Uh, this episode really hit the target or whatever we want to go with. Uh, it's it's my favorite episode so far, uh, as we said. Great action. I think the, the best thing about the episode is the interaction with Kate and Clint and how we've just got it throughout the entire time, and I really hope we just keep getting it. I don't want them to, to split up or go separate ways as much as possible. Uh, heartfelt moments that showed you know, Kate helping him, but I also love like the, the, the moment, like that moment when, when they're in the warehouse and he, he turns to her and he says like, this is not the time to be afraid. And he calms her down. I'm just like that. Let's go. I want more of that. Um, so I love that. I think, um, it just, it, I think that this episode highlights how far we've come in the MCU as well. When, you know, you can see Clint, Clint shoot a, a Pym tech arrow and then we can also get like Wilson Fisk's arm. And that's just something that we get in a mini series. Like it's just so cool that we've gotten to this place and this episode really delivered on that. And it was delightfully I was delightfully surprised to to get more of Echo and her origin story, even if I was wrong about her being an, uh, a widow. Um, I personally, I'm not holding back. I couldn't find anything wrong with this episode. And I really, really enjoyed it having watched it over again. I was like, the second time I was watching, I'm like, I need to find something to give this a 4.5. And I couldn't. So it's a 5 out of 5. It's fantastic Marvel storytelling. Uh, 5 out of 5 giant Pym arrows. Uh, all right. Well, that is it for this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions uh, on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, I'm going to aim, I'm, Justin, I'm aiming up real high. Get ready. I'm aiming high. Right. 
Okay, and I'm going to shoot that question over to our infamous Ronan as to as to how they can they can reach us. Swing. Uh, you can reach. They can reach us at uh, wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. And uh, you can reach us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. You went back to the LARPing for that one, Justin. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Swing. Uh, Mitch, before we, we wrap up completely, can you remind all our lovely listeners again, where can they keep up with you? How can they check out all the wonderful content? Because you just, you put out a ton of content. So I how, try. Do, how do they do that? Uh, yeah. Mr. Mitch George on Twitter is the best place. That's where I give the most recent updates on anything that's going on. Uh, MitchGeorge.com for most of the links. At uh, RussYWayZ on Twitter for the gaming stuff. At D plus us on Twitter for all that Disney plus goodness. I love that you have MitchGeorge.com. Like that's, that's crazy. Go to the That's site. Awesome. It's all there. The links are all there. It's real nice, yeah. real professional looking. Oh, we'll have to check it out. Well, we'll definitely have you on more of our episodes as well. And I've told you before, I'm going to join you. I promise you. Absolutely. You guys are all welcome on either Plus. show. It'd be a blast to have Let's you guys uh, over on our side of the fence. So no, this was a blast. Thanks Very again cool. for, for the invite. Of course. Uh, well, speaking of those other episodes, keep in mind we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest, greatest shows out uh, and movies out now, uh, including our spoiler-filled reviews for Disney's Encanto and Ghostbusters Afterlife, as well as our spoiler-free reviews for Netflix's Cowboy Bebop and Masters of the Universe Revelations Part 2. Justin, Kevin, Mitch, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say... Good, Good boy, boy. Pizza, pizza dog. Pizza dog. <laughs>